Hello and welcome to today's Logistics Management Podcast. My name is Michael Levins and I'm Group Editorial Director for Peerless Media Supply Chain Group, which of course includes Logistics Management Magazine. And today I'm joined by Jonathan Daniels and Jonathan is CEO and Port Director for Port Everglades and that's a self-supporting enterprise fund of Broward County, Florida, which generates more than $33 billion in economic activity and supports nearly 10,000 direct jobs annually. So welcome, Jonathan. It's great to have you with us today. Now, Michael, well, Port Michael, Ever- great, to, uh, great to be here with you. Absolutely. We're looking forward to today's conversation, Jonathan. Yeah, you know, well, well, Port Everglades is the world's third busiest cruise home port. However, you know, uh, logistics management readers are probably more aware that it ranks among the nation's leading container ports and one of the busiest in Florida. In fact, Port Everglades handles an average of 1 million TEUs annually, serves as a gateway to Latin America, the, the Caribbean, Europe, and Asia, and has direct access to the interstate highway system, as well as Florida East Coast Railway and their their near dock 43 acre intermodal container transfer facility, which I've actually have been on, which is amazing. And that's an attribute that's certainly appreciated by shippers moving freight in through this very important southeastern gateway. Now, as we've been covering extensively over the years, investment across U.S. ports is essential to the growth of the economy, as well as the streamlining of supply chain operations. And Port Everglades is obviously no stranger to these efforts. In fact, Port Everglades is currently undergoing a $3 billion expansion program to expand berth and crane capacity and deepen and widen channels to handle future growth in its container traffic. And now it's that expansion and those efforts uh, to differentiate the port. That's where we're going to be spending a fair amount of our time today in this discussion with with Jonathan Daniels. So again, Jonathan, we're we're thrilled to have you with us today. And as I mentioned, you know, Port Everglades is, you know, a leading container port in Florida and among the most most active uh, cargo ports nationally. Now, from from your sort of position there, sort of a high level view, you know, what do you believe sets the port apart these days? You know, great. Again, uh, Michael, great. You know, thank for thank you for allowing us the opportunity and allowing me the opportunity to be here with you. And and I think when when people think Port Everglades, of course, as you mentioned, you know, pe- people think about the big cruise ships that come in. And as you as you had talked about, you know, we're the third. Third busiest cruise home port this year. We're preparing for probably four million passengers move through the port. But some of the things that are, in a sense, forgotten uh, about mm-hmm. what we do uh, is, is is and I'll t- touch very very briefly on the fact that yeah you know, we're the largest we're the largest petroleum and energy uh, port in the state of Florida. Okay. So if you yep. drive or fly through South Florida, you will use a product uh, that, mm-hmm. that moves through our pipelines and move through moves through our manifolds. Uh, but the container operation. Uh, really begins to set us apart. And right. while a lot of people certainly understand what goes on at Port Miami and the great job that they do down there, you know, Port Everglades consistently now is above 1 million uh, TEUs on an, on an annual basis and mm-hmm. growing. Uh, and mm-hmm. really what sets us apart is, is, is the fact that we understand exactly what we, what we mean to the supply chain. We're not going to be a Savannah. We're not going to be an LA Long Beach or in New York. Uh, but the fact that we isolate ourselves into some very specific trade lanes, primarily moving north-south, uh, right. we'll talk a little bit about that uh, that, that later. Uh, yep. But we have really, really set ourselves apart with some personalized uh, development opportunities. You know, we 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 focus on on north and south. The fact that we move about one hundred and fifty thousand TEUs uh, on an annual basis uh, in the perishables market. Uh, we are the number one perishables port uh, in the state of Florida, and we rank in the top four or five uh, nationally. 
you know, in our, our position, uh, you know, close to uh, to Central America, South America, really has uh, really has set us apart, and our terminal operators know that as well. We right. work under an organic growth strategy, and while it's wonderful to go out throughout the world and actually bring in that brand new uh, shiny car for you know for for lack of a better term, you want to bring in yep. that new line, you want to bring in that new trade lane. Uh, the fact of the matter is, we work with Port Everglades Terminal, we work with with Florida International Terminals, King Ocean, Crowley, mm-hmm. and even the sure. other smaller ones to say, what do we do to help you? What right. do we ultimately yep. do to help your business development activities? And then we blend that with our master vision planning and ultimately the implementation uh, of what currently is a $3 billion uh, master vision plan, yep. which focuses on exactly what they need to do to make their business uh, prosperous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Jonathan, yeah, you mentioned that, you know, the port's bread and butter really is that trade with Latin American and the Caribbean. You know, can you tell us a little bit more about what's new on the that north-south lanes? I know how important that is for the port and port operations. It, it is, you know, and, and again, we, t- we talk about some of the some of the large opportunities. In, J- in January, we kicked off the CMA, CGM, Americas XL, uh, West Coast, South America into East Coast, uh, North America. Uh, we're the first port of call uh, entering mm-hmm. uh, in the East Coast, and again, focuses on perishables. Uh, but the recent announcement by ONE, and again, OME, ONE is, is primarily that East-West traffic, uh, yeah. but there's first foray into South America on the West Coast of South America, uh, into South Florida, and they looked at, 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 a, at a multitude of ports in Florida and ultimately decided to come into uh, Port Everglades. It's their FLX service. Uh, mm-hmm. is what they call the tasty treats from the West Coast of South America, whether it's yep. on shore or in the water. Uh, and they selected Port Everglades as their only, only uh, Florida call. Uh, gotcha. So that will commence uh, this year. You know, we t- you know, those are some of the larger carriers, but recently mm-hmm. Ship Lily, HLS. So Ship Lily to and from Venezuela, HLS coming out of Honduras. Mm-hmm. Uh, 17% of all the products that move to and from uh, Latin America move through Port Everglades. And we're number one uh, right. when it comes to Latin American trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the United States. So we continue mm-hmm. to push that. Uh, it, again, it's where we really started uh, as, a, as a container port, and it's what's really maintaining our, our focus. And while, we, while we've brought in some additional services, it's really that north-south trade that continues to push, right. uh, uh, continues to push and fuel our growth. Yep, absolutely. Now, what about some of the port's plans to attract some more of that business uh, on the east-west lanes? You, you briefly mentioned that, Jonathan. What, what are the plans to, to move forward there? It, it has been in the last two years. We've been ex- we've been successful, and again, that's working with our terminal operators as well as the lines uh, that call here. Uh, the recent announcement of the Santana service uh, mm-hmm. coming out of Southeast Asia uh, into and through the uh, through the Panama Canal as part of their around the world service. Uh, South Florida, they ended up uh, initially starting at Miami and then moved that, those calls uh, to Port Everglades. Mm-hmm. Uh, that goes along with some of the other work that uh, that uh, MSC has been doing, the Turkey Greece service, uh, mm-hmm. the former service, the Indus 2 service. And I think what they're doing is finding out that with two strong uh, cargo ports and container ports in South Florida, uh, where primarily that had been handled through Miami, that they're finding Port Everglades as an additional opportunity. Neither port mm-hmm. is large enough to be able to handle uh, the cargo, whether it's north, south or east, west. For this consumption zone, six million, uh, six million citizens down in South Florida, and continuing to grow. Uh, so when you consider that, they're finding out that Port Everglades is a viable option 
uh, with, with the type of activity that we have going on, the immediate access to 595 and 95, but as well as yeah. the intermodal container transfer facility, as, as was uh, mentioned. So we have that, yeah. that intermodal mesh uh, that, gives, that gives these large lines and these large vessels and these multinational a couple of options. And they are finding recently that Port Everglades is the port of choice, choice in yeah. South Florida. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the, if we've been uh, we've been covering Jonathan over the last few years too. Obviously, ports across the U.S. and the globe, you know, they have a lot of common pain points, such as that limited land for expansion, you know, rising sea levels. We're reading a lot about that, and of course, container ships that are getting bigger and bigger and heavier and heavier. Now, how is Port Everglades addressing these 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 now common challenges? Yeah, it, it, it is something that all of us, it, and it doesn't matter whether you're in you're in Shanghai or whether you're in, in right. South Florida, we're yeah. dealing with the same issues. And it's con- those are conversations I have with, with my friends in Miami, Tampa, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Jacksport as, as well. Uh, we have a general lack of land. We are hemmed in by, of course, the Atlantic Ocean on the, to our eastern boundary, to the city of Fort Lauderdale north, uh, by an absolutely fantastic natural mangrove area to our south. Yeah. And Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport on our on our west. So within that, we're working with the terminal operators. Uh, they are deploying new technology, new appointment systems mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. uh, to get cargo in more expediently for us to be able to get that out. We're also working with them on densification plans and mm-hmm. looking at offsite uh, offsite areas. Now with our east west trade lanes, one of the biggest issues we're dealing with is uh, the amount of empties coming out of South Florida that need to be positioned back in Asia. So we're yep. looking at an empties yard just outside of our gate uh, to mm-hmm. join two of the new warehouses that, that are being built by the private sector. So not yep. all infrastructure development is falling on the shoulders of, of the port. Uh, we're working with the private sector to make sure that they are also meeting some of those uh, some of those needs. As far as sea level rise, again, all of us are having to, uh, to adjust to uh, the new uh, the new norm, and that's dealing yeah. with sea level rise, the environmental considerations. Uh, mm-hmm. We recently received two grants, one from the federal government, one from the state, and those are going to be used uh, for bulkhead replacement. But all of our planning takes into consideration looking about 70 years out, and that's mm-hmm. looking wow. at a phased approach that allows us the opportunity to address where we are now, but allowing us to be able to build those bulkheads up in a couple different phases as is necessary yeah. Uh, over time, all of us are having to deal with it. It's an expensive process, but it's a necessary uh, process that will allow us the opportunity to be able to meet those uh, uh, those needs into the future. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way to do it too. In a long term phased approach, you got to look out to the future like that. That's fantastic. Yeah, now, speaking of you know big solutions, you know the big challenges. Now, I've heard through the grapevine that that I've heard three additional super post Panamax gantry cranes are coming to the port this winter. What's that going to mean yeah. for operations? That's pretty impressive. I didn't realize that. It, it is, and those are going to match the three that we received a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're able to go, and it's a little bit of a different design uh, because of our proximity to uh, uh, to the airport. Uh, we can't have your traditional apex cranes, uh, so ours are, ours are low profile, and they're the largest low profile cranes uh, ever constructed and manufactured yeah. in the world. Allows us the opportunity to go 22 wide. Uh, so we received mm-hmm. the first three from ZPMC a couple of years ago. Those went in the, in the, in, through the commissioning process and actually just uh, on day one. Uh, they became mm-hmm. a game changer for 
it says sure, oftentimes absolutely. we can't we couldn't handle anything more than 17 wide before some vessels would come in and actually have to pull back into the harbor turn and then come back to yep. finish their operations so we'll have the three that arrive in december take about 60 90 days to get back in and that combines with the uh, opening up of five new berths uh, in our southport yeah. turning notch total project close to a half a billion dollars it's the largest infrastructure project ever undertaken uh, yeah. by the port and, and that wow. allows us the opportunity really to address where we can now go well above that one point you know the, the 1 million to 1.1 million yeah. and really see the port's future in that 1.75 to 2 million teu capacity yeah. range yep yeah, absolutely. And jumping up that list we run every year. Uh, no question. You guys are, that's, that's fantastic stuff. Now the investments being made at the port, you know, obviously you're going to go beyond the new cranes. You know, what, what else is in the works, Jonathan? What else do you see coming down the pike in terms of those investments? You know, and as, as I mentioned, you know, the Southport turning notch, as far as the cargo is concerned is, re- is really mm-hmm. the bellwether for us. Uh, and it, it's fantastic to see that the last of the container storage yards on that project will be done first quarter of 2025. Uh, so that's on the north side of the turning notch area. Uh, it's a combination heavy infrastructure as well as environmental program. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We developed 16.1 additional acres of, of mangroves, uh, which is yep. allowing us the opportunity to meet the conditions under, under our permits. Uh, those have been taken over recently by Department of Environmental Protection, saying that that project mm-hmm. is done. It's complete. Uh, it's growing like you wouldn't believe. It looks like old yep. growth. You know, and yep. that's right adjacent to that half a billion dollars of infrastructure development, you know, and, and ultimately what that means going back to the cranes coming in, it's an infrastructure, yeah. it's an equipment, it's a technology mm-hmm. uh, program that we're involved in. And we've already seen the benefits in regards to our efficiency standards. World mm-hmm. Bank comes out every year with their, their CPPI, the Container Port Performance Index. Uh, we actually, in 2021, we were the 116th uh, most productive, most efficient port when it came to those standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the new cranes coming in and some of the new births coming online, we went from 116th to 89th in the world. Uh, wow. And it's a handicap system that allows Port Everglades to be evaluated in the same way as L.A., Long Beach, Savannah, New York, or even Shanghai. So it, 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 yeah. it establishes that level playing field. But I think more than anything, to see where we are now in North America, we've gone from number 11 to number five. Yeah, and that's, that's really impressive. That just shows that the the infrastructure, the investment that's being made, it's being made correctly. It's birth, yeah. it's equipment, it's technology, and it's working hand in hand with our terminal operators because they're making a sizable investment uh, and commitment to us as well. So we see that it is from the cranes to the new berths to the new roadways that are being put in place. It's 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 gelling to allow us the opportunity to see us go. Uh, to in, in a very, very positive direction in regards to our uh, efficiency standards as well. And it really has become our brand standard, whether it's on cruise, energy, and certainly on the, on the container market. That brand standard is all about efficiency. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, Jonathan, we have time for just one more question. And, and I think a really great one, and again, is to tie back into that whole, you know, the marine environment you mentioned before too, and how things have been taking off, even with all that great infrastructure work going on, the environment really, you know, the marine environment really tends to be front and center, obviously. Now, what's what's happening, you know, right now, along with those kind of projects to ensure that the port is resilient, is keeping, you know, that sustainable, you know, uh, thought process and, and, you know, being stronger supporter of the environment. What are some of the things that your team is really focusing on right now to keep that front and center. So it's so, because that's so important today. Yeah, great. You know, it, it, it is, it, it, it's, it's part of what we do on a, on a consistent basis. And you talk about resilient, uh, sustainable, 
Th- those are mm-hmm. those are two of the three core components of, of our core values. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's it's never as evident as the fact that we're going through a deepening and widening uh, process right now with the Army Corps of Engineers. We're in the final we're in the final stages of our draft supplemental environmental impact statement that will really make this probably the most scrutinized, but the most complex dredging project ever undertaken by the Army Corps of Engineers. Yeah. And while there's yeah. a significant cost associated with that, I think there's a sense of pride is that if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. Uh, right. A lot of the, you know, the word out on the street right now is a lot of these projects have, have, have harmed the environment in many ways. We're looking at ways in which we can, we can take a very proactive approach, create new artificial reefs, do things that have never been done in the history of mm-hmm. any deepening and widening project. Again, it's complex, it's expensive, yeah. but it is necessary for all of us to be able to do that. You know, we, we, you know, the ports themselves, you know, notoriously as people, as people in the community look at, you know, we're front and center on the waterfront, all right? And, and ports yeah. are very industrial by their very nature. We have to make mm-hmm. sure that that industrial uh, does not uh, take away from the absolutely in many respects, pristine environments mm-hmm. uh, that a lot of us uh, that a lot of us are in. You know, South Florida uh, with the coral reefs and some of the damage that's occurred from some of the act- actions of the past. We do not want Port Everglades to be known as as an organization that took away from the environment, but at the Absolutely. end of the day, that we actually bettered the environment. Right. Uh, it's the same thing that we're doing when we're taking a look at shore power, uh, primarily for the cruise ships, but we're also talking with. The terminal operators were talking with the carriers uh, and defining what lines are going to be out there that are going to have are, are going to be uh, shore power capable, whether it's yeah. air quality or water quality. Port Everglades really, I think we stand at the forefront uh, of, of being an example that a lot of ports can look at. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Jonathan, that's a great way to wrap up today's podcast. And that's just about, unfortunately, about all the time we have left today. But Jonathan Daniels, CEO and Port Director for Port Everglades, thank you so much for joining us in the Logistics Management Podcast. That was terrific stuff. Great. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Great. Great. Thank you. And we want to thank the Port, too, for making this terrific session possible. Thanks again and have a terrific day.